Okay, Bokatov, thank you for everyone's uh, flexibility. I was traveling yesterday. Our Emun Ashir this morning is uh, generously sponsored by Dvorah Navi Orla in memory of their beloved daughter Miriam Esther Bas Avram Yitzchak, whose Neshama should continue to have a wonderful Aliyah. And also, our learning this morning is in honor of our dear friend Michal Yona Ben Leia, who's undergoing uh, significant surgery, should have a complete, speedy, and painless, and fast, and full Refuah Shlema. Hashem, the surgery should go well, and everything should go well. And he should be back uh, quickly and safely. Okay, we're still in the middle of this piece by Revolba and his Sefer Olam ha- and his Sefer Be'amunaso Yichya, a collection of Vadim, a collection of talks given by Revolba on the topic of Emuna. We spent the last couple of weeks talking about this Mishnah in Pirkeiavos, that there are three character traits or behaviors that remove a person from the world, and they are Kina, Taiva, and Kavo, jealousy, lust, and the pursuit of honor, we, we shared several interpretations. The Rambam says, what's the world that removes you from? The world of Amuna, to which from which Revolb extrapolated that you see the default of a person's world, the foundation of a person's world is living with Amuna, is to feel and to see Hashem, is to be striving, and to be aspiring, and to be ambitious, to live a life in which one has a closer relationship with Hashem, and to live a life in which one is giving nachas ruach, in which one is giving great pride and pleasure to Hashem that the world is not about us and what we could take from it, the world is about Him and what we can give to it, and how we can be of service to Him. That doesn't mean we can't get pleasure, because He wants us to have pleasure. He created the world, He created the world in order to derive pleasure from His world. Deriving pleasure from His world is how we're of service to Him, but it has to be the right type of pleasure. Not our definition of pleasure, His definition of pleasure. Not a selfish pleasure, but a selfless pleasure. And He... He designed us, He created us, so He knows what gives us pleasure. And the greatest pleasure is not when we indulge in ourselves, the greatest pleasure is when we share with others. That's not a religious observation or a religious value, that is a psychological truth. There are countless, countless studies. When I say countless studies, I mean Google it and you'll see I'm not making this up. There are countless studies. They gave money to two different groups, some they said spend it on yourself, some they said spend it on others, not life-changing money a small amount of money, and the group that spent it on others drew more happiness from the money than the people who spent it on themselves. Right? Many of you look at me, let me try it, and you know, I'm telling you it's not true. But the many, many studies talk about that real joy and real happiness comes from giving, not from getting. So it's not just that Hashem says, live a life of sacrifice and service and give up what you want for others. Even if that were true, we should jump. We should say how high, but it's not true. Hashem says live that life, not because of others only, but because it's how you live the most meaningful and rich life yourself. So this is what we talked about living a life of Amuna is how to avoid those three character traits. If you are envious and jealous of others, then there's no room for Hashem. Because if you have Hashem in your life, you realize, I have what I need, Dayenu, die, I have what I need. If you're in the life where you're pursuing what you lust for, you're always trying to satisfy your appetite for pleasure, not necessarily calibrated with what Hashem defines as healthy pleasure, then you're living life for you, not living life for Hashem. And lastly, and most obviously, if you're living a life of kavod, you're pursuing honor, then there's not enough room for you and God in this world. Ego, you're edging God out. And so those three qualities are motzinus adam and ha'olam. They, they draw you out from the olam ha'emuna, a world of emuna. So it turns out that the greatest way to work on emuna is to work on humility, to work on humility. It's not to study philosophy, 
and to consider all the proofs of God's existence. The greatest way to work on Amuna is to live a life in which there's space so you can see him, and then you won't have to work on Amuna because he's right there. In other words, I don't have to work on believing that you're sitting in front of me. I don't sit down here and I say, okay, before we begin, I just get my head straight. There's some women. They're sitting here. I'm talking to people. They're really here. They're physical. They're a lot. I don't have to work on believing you're here. Why not? Because I see you. Because you're sitting right here. I don't have to work on it. So if you live your life with humility in such a way that there's space and room for Hashem, and then you see Hashem in the world, you no longer have to work on it. You're saving a lot of trouble and a lot of struggle. So sometimes the people say, I don't know if there's God, i got to work on it, let me put you through the, the Bible codes and this uh, beginner and that workshop and this evidence and these proofs. It's missing the point. A person who's arrogant, a person who's driven by honor, lust, and envy, it, all the proofs in the world will not convince them that there's a God because there's no space, there's no room left for God. But the opposite's also true. So you know what, let's not talk philosophy. Let's work on our character. Let's work on humility. Let's work on not being jealous. Let's work on not pursuing honor. Let's work on not satisfying our appetite. Let's go see the world. Come to Montana or the Grand Canyon. Come study science, physics, and chemistry. Come, let's just live. But a more humble life where we would symptom, we've withdrawn ourselves, we've made space and room. Now you don't have to convince the person anymore that there's Hashem. You don't have to convince them any more than you have to convince them that you're standing in front of them at that moment. Because Hashem is right there. He's so glaringly obvious. Okay, so that brings us to the top of page Nun Aleph. Page 51, Emuna V'chirus. The next point of Revolta. Nira Lahosif Oed Inyan. He says, I want to add another idea. Ha-Maharal, the Maharal, Rabbi Huda Lowy of Prague, the great Maharal, and his Guru Hashem, Mevo'er, Shiyesh Kesher Bein Emuna V'chirus. There's a connection between faith and freedom. A connection between faith I've hit that age now. I'm struggling with it. The truth is, the truth is, I've been I've been wearing these glasses in private for several months, but I decided I need to read in public also, so I can't can't hide it anymore. What could you do? All right. Anyway, I'm an old old man. So the uh, Maharal writes that there's a connection between Amuna Vacheris. Between faith and freedom, Klomar, Rak ben Chorin, Yochol Lahasig Emuna. Only a free person can actually grasp the concept of faith. Vahezber Pashit. And this is what it means. Nisha Kabuladas Upoel Raklafimus Gemes Chavritios, Enu Meshukra Liros as Derech Emuna. Ben Chorin Mavin Shiloko and Emar Baolam Chaylios Sodig, Vuhum Meshukra Mehadeos Hamukubalos Berchov. Meaning, if you are entirely enslaved to whatever the philosophy and the culture and the climate and the beliefs and the fads of the time, then you're not necessarily going to have room for finding Hashem. So if I subscribe to a world who it's in right now to say that you're sitting in front of me, but you're not sitting in front of me. I've read some articles and I've seen some videos and I've seen on social media posts. Don't believe everyone sitting right in front of you is really there because maybe they're a mirage. Maybe you've been on a hallucinogen. Maybe they are a, uh, what's that called when you can project something that looks so real? Maybe they're a hologram. Maybe they're a hologram. You're laughing, but you could also picture that could easily become true, right? That you could subscribe. I'm part of a group on the internet that we don't believe that people are real. And so I don't really have to be machsh of you or consider you because I believe you're just a figment of my imagination. You're not real, right? No, it's 10 years ago. You'd look at, I would be crazy. Today, you're like, yeah, I'm sure there's such a group already on the internet. I'm sure there's several groups like that already on the internet, right? So, 
So what would happen? So if I'm a free thinker, if I have some freedom and independence and I'm a free thinker, I say, this is a group of sadly disturbed people and they're twisted and they're fools and they're wrong. And you are right here and it's good to know you. I'm so happy we have this relationship. But if I'm a person who can't think freely and can't think independently and I'm just simply, I conform to what are the fads and the beliefs and what's in around me, then I say, okay, I guess you're not really here. I thought you were here. You look like you're here. But the internet tells me you're not here. So I guess you're not here. So in other words, in order to have space for faith, you have to be capable of experiencing freedom. Says Revolba, you have to live with a certain level of independent thinking. You can't simply conform to everyone and everything around you. You can't simply be the consequence of the result. You can't be a composite of everything going on around you. You have to be able to have freedom and think independently and think freely in order to be able to see what's in front of you all along. I'll give you another example of it. If you're a member of the scientific community who says there is no design, there is no order, there's no first cause. The world came into being through a big bang and through coincidence and there is no God. And if you're part of the scientific community where if you want to belong and you want to publish and you want to get ahead, you need to subscribe to that belief, you will be predisposed to that belief. You will be biased towards that belief because it's in your own interest to have that belief. But if you're able to think freely and to think independently and you're studying science, then you'll see what's in front of you all along, which is that God is the one behind all those details and minutiae and all of the science. So emunah v'cherus, faith and freedom. There's an intricate connection between the two that you have to have the freedom to think and to see clearly, to think and to see independently in order to discover what was under your nose really all along. He has in footnote 4 on the bottom what the Maharal, how the Maharal writes this. Hamaral kosev, hama'min roi shelo The one who believes is the one who can't be subservient. Ki what does it mean to become subservient and slave to another? It means that you are connected with that outside of yourself. And that happens to someone who's weak and vulnerable. So if you've discovered truth within you, then no one else can own that about you. In other words, if you have no truths in you, and you don't have confidence in your own beliefs, then anyone can own you. This fad, that group, this philosophy, this new style, that new belief, right? If you, if you can't think independently and you can't see truth and your beliefs don't come from inside of you, then anyone can easily own you and manipulate you and get you to believe what they want. But if your beliefs come from what you've discovered from the truths that are inside you and in front of you, then you achieve real freedom. So you need freedom for emuna, and you need emuna for real freedom. Says the Maharal, it works both ways. Freedom and independence to see truth, to see faith, and faith inside you to preserve your freedom from simply being molded and shaped by the people and the things around you. In earlier generations, the assumption, the accepted position was that science is in conflict with religion. Even though in more recent generations, science has come to be, to conform or be consistent with religion. And in some cases, people even see science as validating 
what religions told us all along, it's still very hard to abandon that notion that um, science is in conflict with religion. The years of presenting like they're in conflict leaves the uh, indelible impression on us that it's hard to free ourselves from. It's hard to accept that we don't have to believe everything we hear. So we have to remain free and independent in order to believe and to serve Hashem without being influenced from the greater community, from everyone and everything around us. You know, this was true. Revolva was writing this before there was an internet and Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and mass WhatsApp and text messaging. and right. So the values of others are being placed on us. It's the volume. And by volume, I mean both the quantity and the decibel level of which it's being cast upon us relentlessly is unprecedented. It's overwhelming. And you're left not knowing what to believe. Right? I mean, it, we are living in a generation of fake news. And I'm not, I don't mean that in the political sense. And I'm not talking about any particular news outlet. I'm talking about the notion of fake news is that I've been a victim of fake news. Meaning anyone could write anything they want about you. And, and they control the narrative. So when you are a subscriber, when you are a consumer of information, how do you filter truth from false? From what's valid and real from what's fake? And made up. So the answer is, you need to be an independent thinker. You need to have the freedom to research, to analyze, to draw conclusions, to ask the right questions, to know if what you're seeing is true and accurate. And if you're a blind consumer of it, then I mean, how many people texted me BB speech in Knesset when the rockets were falling? Which he never gave. Someone wrote it as the speech I wish that he would give. But everyone got so excited. This is the speech he just gave in Knesset. And maybe some of you know what I'm talking about, right? If I had a dollar for every person, what? He was a very good writer. Yeah, whoever wrote that, right. Why did we all repost it? Because we wanted to believe it was given because it was written so well. But that's exactly my point, is that someone could write something that a prime minister said in his own Knesset, in his own parliament, about an ongoing war, and everyone's like, yeah, that happened. Until someone said, well, let me check, did that, did that happen? Uh, that's just one example, and there are, there are countless every single day. So Revolba's writing... And encouraging us that if we want to have faith and we need to have freedom and space to think and to analyze and to question, if we want to see the truths that are in front of us all along, then we can't be blinded by the bombardment and the barrage of the rockets of fake news, which are in our life and they're filling up our, our phone and our laptop and our inbox all day. I can't tell you how many people forward me fake news all day, every day. They saw something, it's true, about, about anything. Right, so what, what's the what's the result? The consequence is that many people are walking around, and they're the composite of whoever got a hold of them and molded and shaped them and manipulated them. To be non-manipulated, which is another word of saying to be free from manipulation, is to have faith, is to make space to think, to analyze, to draw our own conclusions. It's getting more complicated. They don't teach you. They should be teaching in school. It should be a course how to be a consumer of information. Right? It used to be, how are you a consumer of information? You needed to learn the Dewey Decibel System. 
That's how you became a consumer of information. The do- now you ask a, ca- a Dewey decibel system, they look at you like you're from outer space. That used to be how you consumed information. But today you turn on a device and you're a consumer of information. So how do you become a responsible consumer of information? They're not teaching you that in middle school or high school. They're teaching you how to manipulate the world by putting out what you want. That's what they're teaching. Graphic design and web design and how to control and manipulate and market to the world. So we're living in dangerous, dangerous times. Revolva is writing this long before these dangerous times that there are people walking around. And, they, you know, I, I was, I was um, at a rabbinic retreat this week for a couple of days. And uh, the sort of featured speaker of this rabbinic retreat was uh, Rav Moshe Weinberger. The Rav Ish Kodesh, he was here earlier this year. It was fantastic. I'm sitting outside, it was in, the, it was in Georgia, and uh, grateful to the OU and the sponsors who put it together, Naftali Herman, our own Naftali Herman. When you're sitting outside in beautiful weather and 60 degrees and the sun and a breeze, and Rav Weinberger's talking about how to be a Ben Aliyah and see Hashem, like, it doesn't get better. It was really, really amazing. So there was a whole session about being a Ben Aliyah. How do you teach Ben Aliyah? How are you a Ben Aliyah? Which means, how are you aspirational for spirituality? How do, you, how do you crave more and make it happen to feel Hashem more in your life? What are the obstacles and impediments? How do we do it? How do we teach it? What's it all about? Really an amazing, amazing session. I'm sitting there and I'm on fire. I'm mamish on fire. I'm listening to him and I'm picturing my life and my family's life and as a rav what I can do to implement it and I'm on fire. And the person sitting next to me says, B'nai Ali are so annoying. Those people who are like so into it, they're so annoying. The people in our community who are like those, those people that he's described so into it. So, and, and he was like, I'm sorry to say it, he was like a Molik in that moment. Because Asher Kar Chabaderach, like I'm on fire. He's like, here's a bucket of cold water and I'm pouring it on your head. I'm pouring it on your head. What he basically said was, eh, eh. I'm like, this is amazing. This is great. I was like a Shana Aleph seminary girl. This is, he's amazing. I love him. He's so cute. He's so amazing. He's so, right, I'm on fire. And he took a big bucket of cold water and splashed it right on my head. Well, Rafut, well, Rafut, yeah, Bar Hashem. The fire was so strong it couldn't be extinguished. So, so uh, what Rafutner would call the Koach Achilul, right? We've spoken many times in Pachad Yitzchak. Rafutner talks about Koach Achilul, the power of seeing Hashem in everything, versus Koach Achilul, those who see Hashem in nothing, right? The Koach Achilul, which is the power of Eh, right? I'm, this is amazing. And he's like, eh. So what, 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 what happens when he says, eh? So Baruch Hashem, I was still feeling how amazing it was, because it was in the middle of it being amazing, that it withstood his eh. But, but a weaker me, or if it would have been at the meal afterwards, I would have said, you know, maybe it was eh. I thought it was so great. But he thought it's eh, and he's smart. Maybe it was eh. So now I'm confused. Was it great? Or was it eh? So how do I know? So you have to have the confidence to say, I could care less what you thought it was. It was amazing. I'm an independent thinker. I experienced it personally. I know what I heard and saw. I know what it generated me to think. And you know what? Eh, you. It was amazing. You're an eh. It was amazing. It was amazing. I'm just giving that as, as an example because these things happen every day. Right? That wasn't, in other words, what if I saw on a WhatsApp group? He's like, I, in other words, I walked out, I'm on fire. I'm like going to burn everything down around me. That's how on fire I am. You know? And then I see he posts on a group, just went to the session, everyone thought it was amazing, but it was really eh for the following reasons. 
So now, you know, I'd read that. Wow, maybe I'm wrong. So that, that's the power of the world that we're in. And Revolve is making such a critically important point and a critically important point for us to tell our children who we in our homes are trying to light them on fire and then they're going to go to the street. And the street could be literally the street and the street could literally could mean the, the great highway of the internet. They're going to go off to camp, they're going to go to school, they're going to have their friends who are going to be barraging them with messages that are the opposite. We're saying Hashem is amazing and their friends are saying Hashem is eh. We're saying Shabbos is amazing and they're hearing messages, it's eh. We're saying Midos and Sneas and, and Chesed is amazing. Eh. So how do we teach them confidence and independence to say, I'm a free thinker. And the freedom gives me the space to have Amuna and to see Hashem and to live on fire. And you can take your Ez and, and get lost. Make your own retreat. The Ez retreat. Yeah. Oh of what you're reading and what you're seeing and what you're doing, then you become skeptical about everything. And that's right. the control right Amazing point. Questioning and you know, questioning right. questioning and it's real and, you know, if there's so much fake news there, then this is also, and that's when it starts becoming much more challenging to get kids and adults also. It's, it's a buy-in to this. It's a great point. That's why my father-in-law tells everyone he meets that Yochev is the one who writes all of my drushes and gives them He's right, he's right. Now you saw that, you saw that happen. So, now Yochev is 100% right. In other words, even if you don't walk away, so let's say I walk away and I say, no, it was still amazing. But it planted the seed of skepticism, the seed of doubt, the seed of cynicism, which is what our generation's malady is. Cynicism, skepticism, doubt, challenge, everything's fake, what's real, what's proof. So again, Revolba gave these schmuzen many, many years ago. There was no internet, there was no WhatsApp, there was no um, viral. Things didn't go viral because you were just with who you were with to go viral. Someone wrote, eh, and put it on the bulletin board of the yeshiva? Like, what, what was, how did it go viral? You know, you just came out of the shir. They said, the shir you just came out of, I think it was, eh. They put it on the bulletin board. They taped it to the lamppost. Like, it didn't go viral from that. So, but today, it goes viral. So, it's so critically important to preserve within our children and within ourselves, and the way to preserve it within our children is for them to see it within ourselves, that we have the confidence and the independence and the belief and the faith of what we see right in front of our noses and what we know to be true. And we're not skeptical and cynical and the world is not only filled with fake news, there's real news. Real news is that Hashem is here and He's amazing and I'm on fire from Him. We have to remain free and independent in order to be able to believe and serve Hashem without being influenced by Midas HaKal, whatever is going viral around us. Avram Avinu is called, look at footnote 7, Vayaged Avram Ha'ivri. The Pasuk in Barisha calls Avram. What's Avram's last name? He's Avram Ha'ivri. What does the word Ivri come from? The Hebrew. It's not just the language he spoke. Ivri is Hebrew, Ivrit. Kol ha'olam me'ever ach echad, v'hu me'ever acher. Everyone was on one side, and he was on the other. You know what it takes to be willing to be on the other side? You know what it is to swim upstream? The whole world says, this is ethical, this is moral, this is a civil right, this is a truth. And you say, you know what? I will respectfully and warmly and lovingly tell you you're wrong. I disagree. I'm remaining steadfast to my truth. My truth on whatever it is. You know, every week there's another whatever it is. This week it's which state is trying to pass some strong abortion laws. So the world's coming out. It's my, and without getting into the details of it, because Torah Jews have a very nuanced, complicated position on abortion, we're neither pro-life nor pro-choice. 
we're somewhere in between. So without getting into the politics, but the point is that you know, there's pressures all around us. And, and what happens is these worlds have amazing marketing groups and they change the whole position of the world on one side. And we have to be willing to stand true. So our kids are going to go to college and when the whole world says, A, are they going to be willing to stand up and say, no, B. And I don't just mean a secular college. I mean, wherever they go, they're going to turn on the internet and the whole world is saying, A, and they have to be willing to say, B. And the same is true with us. We have a battle. We have a war to go opposite the stream. Sometimes, the reason it's hard to live with Amuna, because I don't want to seem like that, you know, um, unsophisticated fool who was taken by the charismatic rabbi. So I walk around on fire and someone says, eh, so now I'm worried. Are they going to laugh at me that I'm on fire? So I'm going to have to squash my fire, extinguish my fire a little bit, dim the fire. So how does the Shulchan Aruch open, says Revolba? What is the very first halacha in the life of a Jew? The very, very, very first halacha is, Do not be embarrassed or ashamed by those who will mock and make fun of your religious observance. Don't be ashamed, don't be defensive, don't be apologetic. Know your truth and own your truth and discover your truth and then carry your truth with confidence. And don't worry. So they'll make fun of you. You started covering your hair. You started making brachos out loud. They make fun of you that you talk about Hashem and Baruch Hashem and Amir Tashem. They make fun of you that you're strict with Shabbos or strict with giving tzedakah or strict with chesed or strict with honesty and beinadam lachavero. They'll make fun of you that you come to shul on time or that you say, please don't talk to me. Let's talk after davening. So what? They'll make fun of you. Don't be embarrassed and don't be ashamed. Know your truth and own your truth and execute your truth with confidence. And if we don't have the confidence and we're molded and shaped, and we're embarrassed and ashamed into conforming to others, then who are we? This call to a principled life and a confident life is not only true for observing the laws of Shulchan Aruch, but it's true to living a life of Amunah. This challenge will carry us through all the generations. This was our state of the Jewish people in Egypt, and it carried us until we entered the land of Israel. In the period of the exile of the Syrian Greeks, What was the whole Syrian Greeks? They didn't want to kill us physically. They were trying to draw us towards their culture, to assimilate to their values. And we withstood it. We remained principled and stubbornly true to who we were. We have to be strong and we have to be true and we have to be willing to stand meaver. We have to be willing to be the progeny of Avram Avinu, of Ivrim ourselves. We have to be Hebrews. We have to be willing to be meaver. Even if the whole world's standing on one side and we have a different truth, a different value, then we have to stand tall and firm, without fear or embarrassment. Every time we travel, for men in particular, you put a talus tefillin on in an airport. So where do you go and how do you hide and do you do it? I do, I have, no, I have no shame. First of all, we live in a world that nobody would blink if someone laid out a carpet and started bowing down. No one would blink if someone started crossing themselves. No one would blink if they worshipped a cow in the middle of the airport. But the Jew is so worried, if I put on my talus and tefillin, what are they going to think? I, don't be embarrassed or ashamed, it's my truth. 
And I've never, I've never had a problem with it in all the years of, in all the years of doing it. And we have the opportunity. So I'll tell you a story because every time I travel, there's a good story for I'm going to share. So I had my car key in my jacket pocket, which was dumb. And the truth is 10 times during my travel yesterday, I said, why is my key in my jacket pocket? Put it in the briefcase, like put it in a pocket. Get it away. I didn't. I don't know why. I don't know why. Yecheva wasn't with me to tell me, don't be stupid. So I didn't. Fine. So I uh, put my jacket, my bag, my hat in the overhead compartment. We land here in Florida. I take out my jacket. I take my bag. I leave the airport. I'm going to my car. I reach into my pocket. There's no key. And there's that moment of panic. Uh-oh. So the first thing you do when you panic... I've learned a very good system in life is you say, what's the worst case scenario? Before I start to go to a bad place, you say, okay, what's the worst case, what's the worst case scenario? There's a backup key in Boca. So my kids will have to, I'll take an Uber and then my kids will drive me later and I'll get the car. Not so terrible. Once you live with the worst case scenario, you say, okay, so now whatever happens is not a big deal. Anyway, then I started, where's the key? Did it fall out in the security line in Atlanta airport? Is it still sitting in the campsite where we had the retreat in the Blue Ridge Mountains of Georgia? Or did it fall out in the overhead compartment? So I ran to the Delta counter, and I told them what happened, and I held my flight, and it's 36C, it was my seat, and the overhead above it, it's a very deep overhead, maybe it fell out, maybe it fell out when I took my jacket out, and it's under, I don't know where it is. So I tell the gate agent, he said, ah, you know, basically looked at me like, good luck, buddy, we'll see what, what happens. But called the gate, and said what happened, and the woman on the other line said, is it a Honda key? I said, yes, yeah. we have it here at the gate. <laughs> Unbelievable. Unbelievable. So I don't know if it fell out and another passenger found it. I don't know whether they were clearing the overhead compartments and so on. So I looked at that. I said, here's an opportunity, right? I looked at the person. I said, isn't God amazing? God loves me. God loves me. That could have gone so many different ways. That person said, God is great. They had like a God moment together. That was an amazing thing, right? No embarrassment, no fear. And I had to go through security again and go get whatever. It was a whole misa. But... There's so many. I felt a Kodesh Baruch Hu's love in that moment. Could have been under a seat. Could have fallen in someone else's bed. Could have been in the back of the overhead. Could have been gone. And again, the worst case scenario is not a life and death moment, but it would have been annoying and a pain. I had to get back to give a share at the afternoon call. It would have been annoying. So you got to be open. First of all, like I said, you got Hashem is in our lives every day. He's right in front of us. You got to see him. He's not a hologram. He's not a mirage. He's not a uh, figment of your imagination. He's not a hallucinogen. He's there. He's there as much as you're sitting right in front of me right now. Do you open your eyes and do you see him sitting right there? Like, wow, that was amazing. This is amazing. Thank you so much, Hashem. You just showed your love to me. That was amazing. He's right there. But then you got to not be embarrassed or ashamed to say, God is great, to scream from the rooftops. God is great. God is great. And when you do, the likelihood is the other person is going to say, yeah, God is great. God bless, God speed, God day, God whatever. They're going to have their own way of saying it. And it's a beautiful thing. Chazal Amr, let's just finish up this last paragraph for today. Misechus Avos. Da, mashetashiv la'apikaris. Chazal and Avos say no, da, no, what to answer a heretic. Meduyik b'loshon ha-mishnah she'in tzorek l'dabir l'asasik im apikorsim. Ela tafir la'atzbacha mahin ha-tshuvos. Kedesh etiyah chazak be'emunascha. The Mishnah does not instruct us, go engage a heretic. It didn't say go sign up for outreach. It didn't say go knock on doors and try to sell people on God. It doesn't say go engage Apikorsim. What does it say? The instruction is da mashatashiv. Know what to answer. You don't have to initiate, but you have to know what to answer. It means go work on your emuna. If you wouldn't be able to answer, 
You know, Jehovah's Witnesses come around our neighborhood every now and then, and they disappear very quickly every time they come. And do you know why that is? I'll tell you exactly why that is. Because when they go to other neighborhoods and they start talking about the Bible and God and the people have never opened a Bible in their life, that's the, the, they've hit the jackpot. And they come to our neighborhood and they start talking and our people are like, you're not going to tell me about the parsha, about Chumash, about Shah. Like, you know, I don't care how steeped you are in Torah or not. You are light years ahead. You are in the PhD program over their typical person they knock on the door of. So they can't get very far in our neighborhood. They disappear very quickly when they try to come by. So if you wouldn't be able to dispel, if you wouldn't be able to send away the Jehovah's Witness, how strong is your Amuna? If an eh would make you drop all of your beliefs, how much do you believe? So study, learn, analyze, practice, know what to answer, not because we want you to be in a position you have to answer, but because you need to know. Because it gives you freedom. That journey of self-discovery, the confidence of knowing your truth, that's freedom. So what we saw today is that Revolve like links Cheres and Amuna, faith and freedom. You need faith in order, you need freedom in order to have faith, and you need faith in order to have freedom. And the two go hand in hand, the two go together. And not to conform to what society around us wants to believe, but to have the confidence and independence to live our own truths, to discover our own truths, and to know our own truths. And the most true thing there is in life, the olam ha'emuna, the greatest foundation of all truth, is that Hashem is here. As much as you're right in front of me, as much as anyone, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is right in front of us, if we just open our eyes and we see. Have a great day.